today I have the privilege of thanking the very first of our helpful homies who have each committed to a $5 to $10 monthly donation to help support this show. I want to thank each and every one of you for your support with all my heart. It means the world to me and it's going to go a long way in helping me pay for an editor so I don't have to edit all the episodes myself. So with that, I want to thank Amy Vickers, Tuyet Nguyen, Sanya Yankovic, Mary Alice, Sharon Ralston, and somebody with a username RMK99, who I'm not sure what their real name is, but I want to thank you so much. And if you would like to become a helpful homie as well, then please visit patron.podbean.com forward slash homeopathy hangout. Thank you so much. Today's guest is homeopath Helen Kennedy in New Zealand. Helen and I first met several years ago in New Zealand, and it was so lovely to reconnect with her in today's episode. Helen shares her very real and raw story of how homeopathy helped her during her postnatal depression. And I feel it's something that so many mothers listening to this episode will deeply resonate with. And isn't it so wonderful that we have something as safe and effective as homeopathy to help us in a time when so many mothers can really struggle and really find it hard to adjust to the role of parenthood. Helen was a lecturer for the College of Health and Homeopathy in New Zealand, and she's also the grandmother of two lovely children and also now the secretary and treasurer for the New Zealand Council of Homeopaths. She has a busy practice in Christchurch in New Zealand and tries to balance her time between patients, her work with the New Zealand Council of Homeopaths, tennis and friends and family. And she's also a marriage celebrant. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout Podcast, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now, your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangout. Today, we speak with a colleague of mine all the way from New Zealand, a homeopath and secretary of the New Zealand Council of Homeopaths, Helen Kennedy. Welcome, Helen. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to catch up because I haven't seen you for several years. We caught up a couple of times in New Zealand, and I didn't realize this, but when I left, you just mentioned before that you took over my clinic, and you were working with the lovely Gina, very well-known naturopath in New Zealand. And at the beautiful clinic uh, called The Connection in Silverdale. Yeah, that's right. And one of our other colleagues, Lila Joffe, is now working there. She's working alongside Gina and doing some fabulous work with children. Oh, amazing. And that clinic space is just beautiful. So a huge shout out to Lorene and uh, at uh, The Connection because that space in Silverdale is just gorgeous. Yeah. But now you've made a move since and we'll have a little chat about that. You're now in Christchurch. Yes. Yes, I'm in Christchurch. That all came about, funny enough, I did my training in Australia at Brisbane at the Australian College of Natural Medicine. And it was a full-time degree where I eventually got to study the medicine that changed my life, basically. Mm-hmm. And that was a long journey, a long time in the making. I worked at a hospital at the time and I uh, didn't like it. It sort of didn't go with what I was doing, but I was secretary to the mm-hmm. Chancellor of Queensland University, who was also the uh, director of the breast clinic at a big hospital there. And I was a medical secretary, typist, what have you. And I was going to work one morning and I looked across the road at Fortitude Valley and I saw this big sign of the Australian College of Natural Medicine and I read all of the subjects that they taught and there was homeopathy and it was like a light bulb went on because my children were teenagers then. They were like 12 and 13 and it took me back to when they were one and a half and three where I first discovered homeopathy and it just completely and utterly changed my life overnight. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, So I've been living in the Middle East. I'll try and make it short 
short because I have got a propensity to long stories. But I, <laughs> we had been living in Abu Dhabi in the Middle East. I had had Hayley, our daughter, and nine months later got pregnant with Martin. Not planned, but that was okay. <laughs> so I'd come back to New Zealand to have Hayley, but then because it was such a quick time of having, you know, getting pregnant again, we decided I'll stay in Abu Dhabi and have him. And I got my mum over from New Zealand to help out. And everything went beautifully. Had a wonderful pregnancy, wonderful delivery, nine and a half pound baby. I felt awesome in those days. And I now know it's commonplace here, but in those days, within a few hours of having a baby, out you go. So I went home and he's this nine and a half pounder and I'm feeling as high as a kite because I've delivered him without any drugs, without anything that I'd gone through with my daughter, you know, which was quite um, different. So I had no problem breastfeeding my daughter. So a couple of days into having him, he just was not feeding. He wasn't sucking. He was refusing the breast. And I didn't understand why, but I'll just backtrack. When he was born, he was born a blue baby. So he was starved of oxygen when he came out because the cord had been around his neck twice. Mm -hmm. So he was taken away from me straight away and tubed. And I now realize that that tube that went down his throat to clear his airways must have had some bacteria on, must have set up a sore throat for him. All of those things that we didn't know in that first week of a boy or of having a baby. So fast track a few days, he's not feeding. Like it was getting to be a stressful situation because he would start to suck and then clamp his jaw like clamp. So, and we were trying to supplement, but he wouldn't take a bottle. In the Middle East, it's quite different with the hours there. So, you know, it was about eight o'clock one night and I was at my wits end on about day four because not only was he not feeding, he hadn't slept. I hadn't slept. Nobody had slept. He was starving himself, screaming all the time. And I ended up going to a doctor because I had mastitis. So there goes big number one problem, breast inflamed. And at the same time, this lady that I saw was a gynecologist, pediatrician, and she said, let me see your baby and you know she saw him and she said what is he not doing I said he's just it doesn't matter what comes near his mouth he will jam his jaw shut tight and she had 38 years experience she was a Pakistani specialist and I, I became very close with her because I was going pretty much every day and on about the fourth visit she said now let me show you you're not doing it right you're not giving the bottle right. So I said, okay, whatever. And by then, you know, the sleep deprivation was so huge. My emotions were so raw. And I said, just anything to get that bottle into his mouth because I couldn't breastfeed on the breast and, and my milk literally out of stress, I think, had disappeared. So she took the baby and she said, here, let me show you how you feed a baby. And I, in my head, I'm like, yeah, go for it. Good luck. And as soon as Martin got the bottle with the milk formula into his lip, he just literally turned his head sideways, clamped his jaw tight. She tried it about six times and she said to me, I never in 37 years seen such a stubborn stubborn child refusing food but this is now going on a few weeks and we're only getting about 20 minutes sleep at a time because that child was never full so then it was hospital test because he was wasting away you know and in week eight instead of being he was nine and a half pound born so in week eight he should have been 12 pounds but he was eight pounds and she got very concerned as did I and she said right you need to go to hospital we need lots of tests so we had all the tests under the sun maybe there's a blockage maybe this maybe that absolutely nothing so on week nine she said I really don't know what else to do he is he's a mystery and my mother um god love her had been with me at the hospital with all of these tests and she'd said to me I have to because Haley was 18 months and she said I have to Helen I have to give him something because he was just crying and it was middle east you know it was 42 degrees outside so in and out of the car so she had made up this little bottle of brown sugar and water teaspoon of brown sugar and of course by then all of my mothering instincts had gone out the window I just wanted my child to feed so mum gave it to him and he 
drained it. So when we saw the pediatrician that day, she said, what has he had today? And I told her and she said, oh my God, that's what it is. She said, breast milk is very sweet. All of the formulas we've tried, and believe me, we've tried pretty much everyone on the market. She said, every formula we've tried doesn't have the same amount of sweetness in it. And she said, I want you to go now, this is eight o'clock at night. I want you to go now to the pharmacy and buy this milk product. And it was a German product. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Made by my looper. And she said to me, I promise you he will take this food. And she said, it is like whipped cream with sugar in it. So again, I'm like, oh my God, you know, sweet for a baby, but I didn't care. He was wasting away. I was wasting away. We had, we were now week 10 and I've had, well, every third night, one of us had to take a sleeping pill, either myself or my husband or my Mm. mother. And um, anyway, we we went and got the milk powder. We made it up when we got home and mum's praying at the, she's standing there with the rosary beads and John's standing there with a brandy ready for him and mum. And I'm just terrified because if he refuses this, what next? So, you know, the first drop he went to refuse and then he must have tasted it. I thought, ah, so that was the that was the end of the nightmare. Mm. He sucked the bottle dry. He sat up and did the proper milk full baby flop burped and slept for two hours but that was the first two hours in his life he'd ever slept ever so then my life began to get normal but he was now about six months old we moved from Abu Dhabi back to Sydney for my husband's job and so this is where the story began of my demise because by the time I got used to like yeah I've got this baby that feeds now and all the drama's over and everything's wonderful I up and move countries and arrive in, in a place where no friends no family no support so my husband was working a big job 12 hours a day I was living in suburbia, having come from an island where I had my own life for so long. And, you know, it was very privileged expat life. And then ended up in suburbia where none of my neighbors, I didn't resonate with anything or anybody. And I just became quite insular. And it wasn't until 18 months later, a friend from the Middle East who knew me and who knew the person before the person I'd become came and stayed with me. And she had her her 18 months old with her and after about four days we went to the beach I couldn't swim I couldn't go in the water why because all of my hormonal system had never rebalanced at all from that birth so and I had just got progressively worse and worse so the build-up to my female cycle was pretty much a migraine for two weeks bloating hideous hideous tiredness and hemorrhaging and I was building up to my cycle when she was staying so I didn't even know. My hormones were all over the place. My emotions were all over the place. My fatigue was ridiculous. So we went to the beach and um, she told me on the beach how awful I was to, to live with and how she can't understand what my husband would possibly want to come home to me because I was so miserable and all I do is yell at my children. And honestly, it came as such a shock. I said, no, she said, you're not the person I knew before. Mm. What happened? And I didn't know what had happened to me because the Helen I knew, the Helen I used to be had gone. And I had become this robotic mother. And, you know, I knew I wasn't myself, but nobody had the courage to say to me, there's something different about you. I did have a couple of friends in Sydney who I knew before I became a mother, but I didn't see them enough for them to notice. Mm. So this person gave me the, the most confronting truth I'd ever had to deal with. And after she left, I said to my husband, I need to go home. I need to go and see my mother in New Zealand in Auckland. And he said, why? And I said, I need help. And I don't know what else to do. I want my mum. So, and this is like 34 years ago. So not a lot of money, paying a mortgage, cloth nappies because, you know, couldn't afford disposables, all of that. But it was just, it was life and death really. So I got on a plane, came home, stayed, and I was there for five days, stayed with mum. And after about 24 hours, mum says to me, 
darling, there's something not right with you. And I was crying all the time. And I said, I know, I don't, I know, but I don't know what to do. I thought that being a mother of two children was normal. I thought the way I felt was normal. And mm. I know people used to say to me, you wait, when you've got one, it's easy, but oh, you know, you'd be wishing you didn't have the second because you're never the same. And I didn't realize what that meant until I was in that fog. I didn't know that I had postnatal depression. I didn't know anything. All I knew that was that I was ridiculous with my my robotic, you know, I had to clean up a crumb as it dropped on the floor. I was obsessive with clean cleanliness. I had to have the nappies on the line by nine o'clock to get the morning sun. It was all just part of my imbalance. So mum suggested that I go and see a lady. I went to see a lady, had a chat to her, and she said, you need to see a homeopath. I'd never heard of a homeopath. And I said, well, I don't know what that is. And she said, right. And she actually rang up and made the appointment for me. And I was going back to Sydney two days later. And I went to the homeopath. And as you know, it's all about the story and all about when it went wrong and what changed for you. So I sat down in front of this homeopath. She asked me why I was there. And I said, I I just am not myself. And after two hours of chatting and, and her learning my story, she said to me, in amongst that two hours, when did it go wrong for you? Like, tell me the person you were before you became this person. Told her my story, told her. She said, so it was 18 months ago. I said, yeah, when my son was born. I said, it just was terrible. Now, in hindsight, I realized that I had post-traumatic stress from uh, the trauma of those few months of a child emaciating in front of me. Mm. My hormonal system, my sleep deprivation, all of that. And I know that because after the earthquakes in Christchurch, it all came back again mm. a few months after once we moved to Auckland. So she just took my case, told, asked all about my dietary requirements. As we know, you know, they're very important. And she handed me a bottle of tablets, little pills, and she said, here, take three of these. And I said, oh, okay. So I took three. In my head, I was thinking, yeah sure what are three little pills going to do that's Mm -hmm. fine I'll just it's just been nice to talk to a stranger for two hours and tell my story and have a cry Mm. so I kept the bottle and she said no no no, give the bottle back and I said well don't I need to finish it that's that's what you go to a doctor you have to finish all your pills and she said oh no you don't need any more than that that's all you need and if tomorrow when you wake up you don't feel better in some way or you don't feel different in some way then please ring me because on your way to the airport you need to come and get a different remedy, as we know, a differential remedy. Mm-hmm. So I walked out of there thinking, well, you know, I don't expect anything. I don't have any expectations of anything, but I'm, it was just quite a relief to offload. And then the next morning I woke up and I was like, well, what's happened to that heavy shoulder? What's happened to my body? Was I slept deeply and beautifully, and I, whereas I hadn't slept for years. I was like, what has changed with me? And mum said to me about middle of the morning, you seem, seem happy today, dear. And I said, I know, I feel I feel really good. Anyway, didn't need to go and see the homeopath. Went back to Sydney. My husband picked me up and on the way back to our house, he said, you look really different. And I said, I know, but I don't know why. He said, I know why. You're smiling. Aww. He said, I haven't seen you smile for 18 months. It's such a powerful story because as you're saying that, I'm just thinking of the amount of mums I've heard in the clinic tell a similar story to yours and that sleep deprivation. And especially with you having the two kitties so close to each other, you can just see how one situation after the other just dominoes. And yeah. and once you're in that situation of postnatal depression, you can't, you can't identify it once you're in that. You can't really see that. You can't. But the wonderful yeah. thing is, it's funny because that friend that told me that was never really a 
a good friend and I've never seen her since. Mm-hmm. So she was in my life for a reason and that was the reason. And she was from Russia or Ukraine, so she was pretty mm-hmm. blunt, you know. Yeah. <laughs> she, she would shoot from the hip. But I thank her every day of my life because she put my life on course. Mm. So um, the measurable tool, just to conclude that story, was two weeks later I was due to get my woman cycle again, and I thought, oh no, <laughs> am I? You know, is this was that a temporary fix, or what am I going to expect? Do I get the migraine again? Do I get the bloating? Do I get the diarrhea? And do I get the hemorrhaging? And you know what? Nothing. I got no sign it was coming. I had a normal four day cycle, maybe five. It came. It went, it left me. And I said to my husband, that is a game changer. Mm. That's it. I'm studying homeopathy. But of course, (laughs) the children were little. We had no money. There was no college at the time to study. Mm. It was all through correspondence. And I'm a very visual learner. So no, that wasn't going to work. Yeah. So um, the rest is history. I, I I then began this journey to one day be a homeopath. And I knew that one day I would. Mm-hmm. I did as much as I could to use homeopathy as much as I could. My husband wasn't totally on board. Okay, he'd seen the change in me, but it wasn't until about three months later, Haley, our daughter, got the Hong Kong flu that was going around Sydney or going around the world. And um, she was very, very ill. So I'd since found a homeopath in Sydney and I phoned her and said, look, she's got this terrible fever and she's burning up and she's red-cheeked and glassy-eyed. And she said, I'll come and get this remedy. And I got it. And she said, you can repeat this one more often than you would any other one. And Hayley um, went to sleep and woke up about three o'clock in the afternoon crying because there was a dog at her window, she said. And I said, no, 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 there's no dog. And my husband said, that's it. We're taking her to the medical center. She needs antibiotics. She had a you know, a cough, what have you. And I, and anyway, I got her up and I said, no, we're not, we're not, we're going to a homeopath. Anyway, uh, we had to wait for Martin, 18 months old, to wake up. Oh, he was about two by then. We had to wait for him to wake up from his afternoon sleep. And by then, all Hayley had wanted and had was a wee little bit of orange juice. And John said, right, Helen, that's it. You know, I'll go as far as I can with you, but that's it. I'm overruling this. We're going to the doctor. And I rang the homeopath. I said, she's still not better. She's still not better. What do I do? And she said, give her another dose of that remedy, Valadonna. Give her another dose. And I gave her another dose. And we got the kids strapped into the car seats. And we lived in Oyster Bay in Sydney. And it was a case of getting up to Pacific Highway, left to the homeopath, right to the medical centre. But on the way up the hill, Haley had a projectile vomit from the backseat. Wonderful. Now I realised that her body had expelled the fever and John, John had stopped the car to clean up all the vomit. And what we saw was this happy little face, red cheeks gone, glassy eyes Aww. gone, and this little girl going, hello, mummy, daddy. Martin, where are we going? It was like watching a miracle. And John looked at me and he just said, if I hadn't seen that from my own eyes, I would not believe it. And we turned the car around and went home and she wanted to play outside. She wanted to eat. She hadn't eaten for 24 hours. And and I said, well, that's not a game changer. What is? Yeah. So that was it. I was on my journey, but it took many years for me to be driving past that place in Brisbane when they were Mm -hmm. teenagers for me to actually get to work. I got to the clinic. And I thought, that's it. Before I do anything, I'm going to ring up and book and get the prospectus sent out. And my journey began and I did a a degree in health science and absolutely have never looked back. Amazing. You're making me teary, Helen. That's gorgeous. Oh, <laughs> now, you have witnessed some more amazing things with homeopathy with the Christchurch earthquakes, and I haven't had a chance to have anyone in the podcast yet to talk about that. So I'm so glad okay. that you're on today. But can you maybe tell our listeners about what happened and how the homeopaths were able to help? Okay. So the, the reason I got to Christchurch in the end, I'll just fill that story in because we were living in Brisbane in Nunda. And the only time I ever went to our GP, um, who was the local GP was to confirm anything that was wrong with the kids and at the time the 
this particular time, our son, who was like 15, um, there was a big meningococcal outbreak at the college he was at, at Nudgee College, and two boys had died. And of course, all the people were screaming and the government was saying, right, everyone's got to be vaccinated. And they did this big vaccination push at the school. And I said, no, Martin's not having it. He's not going to have that. So Martin, my son, is very phosphorus. So he came home with a very stiff neck and a headache and said, oh, I feel really bad. And oh, mom, maybe I've got it. And I said, Okay, and I rang up my doctor's surgery. And of course, there's a queue out the door for everyone rushing in to see him. And um, they knew me well, the doctor and the nurse, because I only ever went there for an emergency. Mm. So I said, listen, Martin's exhibiting signs and I'm worried. So they said, come down and we'll see him straight away. And my doctor, Jeff, said he hasn't got meningitis. He's absolutely fine. And he looked at me and he had such a respect for homeopathy. And he said, this is your phosphorus boy, isn't it? I said, yeah. He said, well, he's just manifesting all the symptoms around the school. So take him home, give him your remedy and look after him. And then he said to me, by the way, Helen, as soon as you've graduated, I have a room for you at my clinic and I want you to look after all of my chronically ill patients that I cannot treat. So he said, I hope you'll bear that in mind. So I was like, I've got a year and a half to go. Fantastic. Yes, please. I'll take that room. So for the first time in my life, I was going to have my own career. But then my husband a year later was very stressed in his high power job and said, I need to get out of the job. He wanted to move to Christchurch where we've never lived and he, his parents lived here and he'd actually resigned and they given him six months off but he, he said no I, I'm not coming back I he just had a career change a life change so in that time that I was finishing my degree I had six months to go but 10 subjects to cram into it I I was struggling deeply with you know I needed I wanted to have my own career and I wanted to work with Jeff but it also would have meant my marriage ending because John you know he said look I don't want to hold you back but this is where I need to be this is where my soul needs to be and I said Okay, this is interesting. So anyway, long story short, we moved to Christchurch after I graduated in 2005. And then in January, John had already been commuting backwards and forwards. And in 2006, we moved to Christchurch and I set up myself at a health clinic, the um, Health and Awareness Centre, which is still going. And after, and I joined a peer group meeting with other homeopaths. And after about six months or about a year, I said to one of my colleagues in the peer group meeting, I think I'm going to get out of this clinic and set up on my own. And she said, well, I'm about to buy a building and I'm going to set up a, a center where there's just homeopaths. So she found a house, she bought a house and we set up, myself and three German homeopaths set up a center called the Homeopathy Center. Our vision was to have it manned six days a week and operate it like a, an acute clinic but also, you know, to build up our own client base. So one of us was always there to man it in case there was somebody walking in that needed help. And it was on the 22nd of February when there was myself and one of the other homeopaths. We had a naturopath there, a massage therapist and a counsellor when the earthquake hit and pretty severe, as we all know. So we were all out on the street and watching something like Armageddon, people walking past covered in dust and blood and buildings opposite the road of where we were bricks dropping off people trapped up there it was a horror that I'd never want to witness again but after things had settled after a couple of a few weeks and we were allowed back in the building we decided to set up an acute emergency free clinic and so I made this big billboard we stuck it out on the street said come in trauma treatment acute remedies and and it was well received until the skeptics you know got involved and the media got involved and you know we were giving out snake oil apparently mm. but it, I know that we helped a lot of people because they were able to come and they were still in shock they were still in trauma so we gave really the right trauma remedies to help them just assimilate what had gone on and bring their soul back into their body really mm. so yes and that that went on for a few months 
months. We offered it. It was all free. And I know that we helped the community. Mm-hmm. And then our house got very severely damaged in the earthquake. But we were one of the very lucky people. We had an insurance company that were amazing and they got our house repaired beautifully. And then I had a dream that my daughter was pregnant and that she was pregnant with a little girl with the same blue eyes that I've got. And I rang my daughter and I said, I've had a dream you're pregnant. She said, no, no, I can't be pregnant. No, no, I've only known in a little while. No, no, no. Well, she was. <laughs> and a little girl with blue eyes who was like looking at a mirror image of me. So mm-hmm. I said to my husband, I don't want to be a distant grandmother. I We had this beautiful house that had been beautifully repaired. Everything was sort of in our favour. But I said, all my relatives are from England and I never knew any grandparents. So I said, I don't want that. I don't want to be that grandmother. So we sold our house and moved to Auckland. And that's in 2013. And it wasn't long after that that I think I saw you. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking she must be about seven now because I remember. She's eight and a half now. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. She does look a lot like you. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, we moved there. And then about two years ago, John was going to retire. And I just had, again, I I kept coming back here to see my colleagues from the homeopathy center. and, And I kept up with all my friends. And I just had this calling back to Christchurch and you know all of my friends and family said but what about Arabella because she was my wonderful relationship and I looked after her a lot and Hayley also had a little boy who's now nearly five but I said it's bigger than the children I don't know why but I have this call back to Christchurch so yeah we moved back to Christchurch I might just throw in there though after we'd moved to Auckland I think post-traumatic stress caught up with me from the earthquakes because when you're in a crisis mode and I was helping we were helping at the center everybody else Mm. you put aside your own trauma because other people were more important and more needy and and needed more help Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I moved to Auckland and my daughter had had the baby and she was struggling herself with postnatal depression as it turned out but also I was having Arabella a lot Mm. a a lot as in one or two nights a week just to give Hayley a break but of course I wouldn't go to sleep if she Mm. woke up in the night needed a feed I couldn't just go straight back to sleep and then sleep deprivation set in for me and I was about two years later that I think it hit me hard and I now put it down to post-traumatic stress from not acknowledging it at the time of the earthquake and other things and other stresses that came along so I hit the wall again and that's when I saw the power of homeopathy I had a flu I think it was 2015 and I got really sick with a cold and a flu that never went away and after it just got worse and deeper and deeper into my chest but I also I had a lot of other emotional stuff happening in my life and worry. So that was happening. And I went to a doctor in the end because I just couldn't clear my chest. And I said to her, I'm begging you, give me antibiotics. She was a holistic doctor. And she said, why do you think you need antibiotics? And I said, because I can't move this phlegm. I can't get this heavy chest. I can't get rid of it. And I want to be well. I want to look after my granddaughter again, but I've been too unwell to do that. And so she listened to my chest and she said, what have you been taking? And I'd been taking a Breger's no-so, which is five different um, mm. bacterium remedies and she said you realize that anything on the chest is to do with grief mm. and she said so is there any grief is anything going on in your <laughs> life and bingo yes there was it was a couple of factors and I said oh god I, I can't believe that so she said my prescription to you is to go home take vitamin d and um, continue with your regime of homeopathy you do not need antibiotics and you'll be fine and in a few weeks I was fine and again it was like oh the power of homeopathy you know mm-hmm. here it is and if only I'd realized and made the connection between the mental and the emotional state I had ignored what had happened for me emotionally the couple of months or when I got unwell and it, and I hadn't resolved it I hadn't dealt with it and of mm-hmm. course it just manifested on my chest and I needed to get things off my chest literally mm-hmm. so yeah that's so hard for us to treat ourselves and I think a lot of homeopaths always say don't treat yourself you know go see another homeopath and that's yeah. why I always also trying to empower the 
mums who use homeopathy. You know, if you can't get hold of your homeopath, be in groups with other mums who also use homeopathy so you can bounce off ideas of each other. And just yesterday I had my weekly meeting with the two homeopaths on my team and I had something going on and one of them suggested a remedy. And this is something I've had going on for two weeks since after my appendix was removed. And she said this remedy and I was like, oh my gosh, I had two doses and it was completely resolved after me struggling with it for two weeks. I know. Yeah, we definitely need to reach out and, you know, bounce ideas off each other. I think it's so important. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. So what do you think the message is that you want to get across to the general public about homeopathy, Helen? I always try to educate people. I mean, I was a lecturer for the College of Health and Homeopathy until they went online a couple of years ago. So I was always trying to, when I was lecturing the students, I was always trying to give them scenarios or cases or stories about how this was used when the situation was going on. So to me, Mm. I'm always trying to educate people in any way that, you know, there is an alternative to what you're told is the be all and end all of health. So and I always try to, you know, if somebody's continually having the same illness or the same thing keeps coming back, I say to them in a nice way, well, have you ever wondered why this Mm. keeps repeating it? itself. Is there something stopping you from actually wanting to get out of that illness? I I remember years ago when I was living in Hong Kong. So this is after we'd left Abu Dhabi, we went to Sydney and then we went to Hong Kong for four years. And because I couldn't get hold of homeopathy in Hong Kong, it was all Chinese medicine. I was also very involved in other healing things. And that's where I first sort of started doing massage and getting into healing. And I remember meeting this girl. She was young. She was about 21. And I had chronic sinusitis and nasal infections all the time. Every six weeks, up at the doctor, antibiotics, antibiotics. And she said to me, so I wonder why you keep getting it. And I said, oh, it's the pollution here. It's, you know, any excuse. It was the pollution. It was, you know, we lived in a great house. You had a nice lifestyle. But, oh, no, it was the pollution of Hong Kong. She said, yeah, but I just wonder why you keep manifesting the same problem. And it made me think, how does somebody so young, how, how can she be so wise? And realized that she's telling me to look somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And that's when I remembered, ah, yeah, of course, what was going on and da-da-da-da. So my one of the things I'd like to impart to the public is just always know that there's something else out there that you could be looking at mm-hmm. and that we don't all have to live with a dis-ease in our system. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And uh, just quickly, you're also the secretary of the New Zealand Council of Homeopaths. Can you tell us uh, just quickly about what they do and, and what your role is there? Okay, so we're a registration body for homeopaths who choose to be registered, i.e. come under a professional body. And there's a lot of homeopaths, as you would know, that put their own flag out and fly their own flag. And that's all wonderful. But being part of a registration, whether it be naturopath, osteopath, chiro, whatever, being under a registration body gives a lot more backing and support for homeopaths. So as secretary treasurer, I send out all of the yearly invoices to all of our members. We've got about a hundred and 60 registered members here in New Zealand and we feed information I'm always sending out information I'm sending out webinars and information for the um homeopaths to be able to get their continued professional development so their ongoing learning that keeps them up to speed with what's going on whether it's local or international we have set up we've got a fabulous executive there's seven of us on the executive I did six years as a volunteer on the executive so it's just you giving up your time to have a meeting every month and four times a year we used to meet face to face well that hasn't happened for a couple Mm -hmm. of years now but it's you know we deal with all of the problems within the members if somebody's had a complaint laid against them if they are a registered 
registered homeopath, we as the organisation can deal with that complaint and get mediation and get it resolved, as opposed to somebody who's not registered. They've got no support, no help. They can't reach out for help because they're on their own. Mm-hmm. So at that meeting, you can do two years as a executive, but it's nice that you can do the three terms. So that came to six years. I was about to step down from my six-year time when our secretary, who had been the secretary for nine years, who was not a homeopath, resigned because she was going to set up her own home staging business. And she was making that effective immediately. And there were three out of the six homeopaths on the executive were all going overseas on big trips in the same week. So it would have left a very skeleton core group of people on the executive. And if there was any major events like what we're going through now, what have you, we needed somebody who had some experience or somebody at the helm who knew the history of it. So they virtually said, well, Helen, can you just take the job on and just temporarily until we can get something else? And that was in 2017. So, um, <laughs> and I love it because, you know, we have a great network here and we have some wonderful homeopaths out there. And with what's going on at the moment in Wellington and all the protests that are going on, mm and the people that are rising up. We have a great pharmacy here. And I just had a phone call just before you rang, uh, Mike rang me because the New Zealand Council of Homeopaths have had a disaster fund that was money donated to us by another member's partner, another member, her partner had died and she'd given us the money to use in a disaster situation. And this is pretty much a disaster. Yeah, absolutely. And so we, the council, have offered one of the pharmacies some money to put towards him funding the remedies that are going. There's a great medic team going, a first aid um, tent at, at, at the government house. And he said, oh, it's pretty much a whole pharmacy there now, but it's helping all of the people that are getting. It's amazing. I actually, <laughs> well, I actually got a, a WhatsApp message from a friend a couple of days ago. What remedy is good for pepper spray? I'm like, oh my God, what have you done? <laughs> and she said that they're all at the protest at the moment as well. And her husband got pepper sprayed. So um, yeah, just trying to get some remedies to her. So it's wonderful that you've got this. Well, if, they, if you have any any more calls for that, then the, there is the first aid tent set up. With, it's fully manned. There's lots of homeopaths going there and everyone's just so happy to be there and helping people. And if nothing else, again, it will bring awareness to the public Mm. that in these emergency situations and you get a a push or a shove or a bruise or a bee sting or a whatever, Mm -hmm. there's some fabulous remedies that can move that right through very far. Amazing. So I will pop your website and your email address in the show notes, Helen, for people to get hold of you. Are you you still taking on new clients? Yes, absolutely. Wonderful. So everyone wants to get hold of you. And right at the end, just for a little bit of fun, have you got three interesting remedies that you'd like to tell our audience about? Sure. So my favorite, favorite, favorite one, which I think every mother should have in her house is Mercurius Corrosivus and Mercury being the main name of the remedy. But the Corrosivus one, the the keynote of that is that if there's any blood in the system, whether it be from the stool or the bladder or any blood where there's mucous membranes, mm. this is the one that will clean it up. And that came from an experience with Arabella, my granddaughter, had been hospitalized with terrible diarrhea. And my daughter kept saying to the hospital, I think she's got a UTI. I was away at the time, so I couldn't help. And they said, no, 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 you can't have a, u- a child can't have a urinary tract infection plus have a diarrhea. But look, by the time I got back up to Auckland from Christchurch, I'd been down visiting my father-in-law and she was hospitalized on a drip, hadn't eaten for a week. Mm. and it was pretty grim and they still hadn't done a urine sample but I said to Hayley there's something fundamentally wrong what is going on and when did it start and she said to me oh it was last week and she had a runny tummy and I saw a bit of blood in her poo Mm. and her diarrhea and I thought oh keynote mercurius corrosivus she'd come home from hospital she still was so unwell and I was lying on the bed 
praying like anything to try and, you know, what remedy? And I had mercurius in my hand and mercurius corrosivus. And um, I didn't know what to do. And a friend of mine rang and I, I said, I'm, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to give her. I'm too close to this. And I told her about the blood. She said, give that. Mm. You know, that child was asleep. I went out and slipped a pillule under her mouth on Haley. She was sitting up with Haley and she suckled it. And then 20 minutes later, she woke up and I gave her another one. And for the first time in a week, she looked at me and Haley because she hadn't eaten or drunk mm. anything for a week. And she said, I want a bottle. She was two. Mm. And we said, You want a bottle? And Haley said, Oh, but milk. I said, Just give her a bottle. She said, Nothing. So we gave her a bottle. She sculled the bottle. Then she said, I want another bottle. So she had another bottle and then another half a bottle. So in a child that had done nothing and drunk nothing for a week was had mm. three bottles and we had the chiropractor friend of mine was coming to do a home visit to try and realign her because she'd been lying on Haley mm-hmm. upright since she got home from hospital. And when Katie arrived, mm-hmm. Arabella was pirouetting in the lounge oh, showing us how she does ballet. Amazing. That was a miracle. And I say to all of my mums, you must always keep that in your house mm-hmm. because it's a good ear infection. It's a mm-hmm. good urine it's a good every all-rounder so that's my favorite one my other favorite one is um folliculinum because it's mm. the most wonderful remedy to help women cycle and get re-establish a period um mainly because i had a client who hadn't had a period for two years and had been to a gynecologist and he pretty much told her just go on the pill you know and she wouldn't and didn't so she was actually a, a person that came to the college when i was lecturing gave her folliculinum and she got a period and she's now got two children because she was told she'd never have children is that the one and that was other, named after you? No, no, no. The that, one that was named after me was a woman that I did a first aid talk to and she was 43 and she came to me for a sore back after the talk. And then a few months later, she said, I think I'd like to get have a child. We've been married for 10 years and never wanted one. And I said, oh, and she'd been to a gynecologist in the meantime, been on a drug that suppressed her period and she didn't get it. So the first thing we had to do was get the period back. Folliculinum got the period back. And then she wrote, she moved back to Ireland and she wrote, she sent me a photo. She said, I'd like to introduce Evie Helen, named oh. after you because it was through homeopathy that I, I got pregnant because I had her on a protocol to get pregnant mm. as well. And my other favorite is Lacumanum because I have seen miracles happen with that with postnatally depressed women, with women who have not bonded with their child or they're completely mm. disconnected. And I give a dose of that and all of a sudden this mother embraces motherhood and it brings mm. her back into this was what I wanted. This is my child. This is my story. Mm, and lacumana for our listeners is the remedy that's made from uh, human breast milk and folliculinum is made from estrogen. And we've had Patricia Hatherley on talking about the lac remedies. And I'll tell you what, lacumanum and lactoturnum are two of my favorites as well. Mine I just love too. them. Yeah. Mine too. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today, Helen. You're a great storyteller. It was lovely listening to you. And thank you, um, thank you for sharing your passion with homeopathy with us. Thank you. And thank you, Eugenie. All the very best for you. Such a pleasure. Talk soon. Bye. Okay. Bye.